0: Again, in Psalm 68, so let's go ahead and turn there, and we're just going to look at verses 3 and 4 this morning. We touched on verse 3 just by way of the title, which is, uh, Let the Righteous Be Glad. So this is really the second part of that thought we began last week about, Let the Righteous Be Glad. So let's read those two verses, verses 3 and 4. But let the righteous be glad, let them rejoice before God, yea, let them exceedingly rejoice. Sing unto God, sing praises to his name, extol him that rideth upon the heavens by his name. Uh, We'll refer to that as J-A-H, or you could refer to it as Jah, uh, like Jehovah, uh, and rejoice before him so there is a repetition here there's a repetitive thought that is running through this particular verses three and four we see the repetition of the word uh, of let Uh, we see a repetition of the word rejoice we see a repetition of the word sing and we see a repetition of rejoicing. So all of these th- words, these, these words that we see being repeated are indications to us that there's a great emphasis being placed on these particular thoughts that are going through this. Now, we looked last week then thought about uh, why the people of God, uh, why we should praise God. And we praise God because of his gracious appearance on our behalf. And we talked a little bit about that not only did he appear before us, but there is a continual presence with us, and that is within the Holy Spirit of God. I mentioned, too, that Psalm 68 really is a prophetic psalm. It is a psalm that leads us to consider uh, the the Christ who is to come. It is a victory in Christ psalm, if you will. And so we ought to praise God uh, for what he has already done. And remember, uh, David was praying that God would appear in his glory and that his power would be displayed. Now, specifically verses one and two, it was power being displayed towards the enemies. And God's power, of course, displayed towards the enemies of God uh, is different than the way that God's power would be described or displayed uh, to the people of God. No less glorious in either way, no less powerful in either way, but the glory of his appearance we saw in verses one and two, his appearance would cause confusion. In other words, instead of responding in praise, they would respond in confusion. So when God's power and glory is displayed to the enemies of God, it's going to lead to a sense of confusion. And of course, David was uh, referencing back to a prayer that Moses had made in Numbers chapter number 10. But as we think about this second part of this thought about let the righteous be glad, in verses 3 and 4, kind of a summary statement, we see that David praises God for his glorious appearance. And calls upon all men, or all the people of God rather, to praise him, to sing unto his name, and to exalt him. So the difference here to the people of God, God's appearance or the appearance of Christ, instead of leading to confusion for the people of God, his appearance is for the comfort and the joy of his own people. When we think about his appearance, and we think about Christ appearing, and we think about God who's continually dwelling with us, we're dealing with something that does not bring confusion. We think about the glory of God, and we think about the comfort and the joy that it brings. Notice again, it's very specific. But let the righteous be glad. It is, it is very directed. His appearance his gracious appearance before us brings gladness to the righteous now who are the righteous those who are righteous in their own eyes no of course those who are righteous are those who are in god or more specifically those who are in christ christ is our ultimate source of gladness if i'm glad today i am glad because i am in christ That is a matter of joy to all people. All people who are in Christ find great gladness by belief in him. Why are we glad? Well, we're glad because our justification is in God. Our justification is in Christ. We are counted righteous due to Christ alone. That's a cause for gladness. He is our righteousness. We are not just a simulated righteous. We are counted as righteous before a holy God. We are declared righteous. In other words, when God the Father sees us, he sees the righteousness of his son. That's a cause for gladness. We see throughout the scriptures that the disciples rejoiced. We see that the saints of all ages, we see people in Paul's day who were rejoicing. We see the people of God in the Old Testament. We see them glad and rejoicing in God. But think about what we know today, what we've already seen. We not only know that our justification is in Christ, that our righteousness has been His righteousness has been imputed to us, but we also understand the power of His resurrection. What does it mean to serve a risen Savior? It's not just a matter of fact. It's not just a matter of history. The power of His resurrection this morning, folks, is not just you simply saying, I believe it. I believe that there's an empty tomb. That's not where the power is. The power is what was defeated when Christ came out of that tomb. That's where the power is and what it was indicating. We often think about where our power in God is found in just simply acknowledging facts about him. It's a a guaranteed fact that Jesus Christ rose from the grave. It's factual, but that's not where the power is. The power is in the reality of what that resurrection means to the redeemed. Think about what the resurrection means for our regeneration. Think about what the resurrection means to our salvation. Think about what the resurrection means to our justification. But even think about what the resurrection means for us personally when we go to die. There is a resurrection. There is an eternal life. There is an eternal glory. There is something we are going to live and we are going to reign with him forever. These bodies will be glorified Today, you're gonna hear a lot about this. You're gonna hear a lot about the glory of God. And even when we get to the 1130 this morning, you're gonna see there's gonna be an, an emphasis on what this glory is. This glory of the rejoicing and the gladness that is found in Christ. And also knowing that one day the destruction of all the enemies of God will be fulfilled. David prayed for his enemies to be scattered. Now, today, we don't fully understand prayers like this. We don't fully comprehend them. Uh, Believers for years have wondered, am I supposed to pray this way? Am I supposed to pray for the enemies to be scattered? Am I supposed to pray for the destruction? I think what we're supposed to be doing is we're praying that the glory of God would be demonstrated, that the glory of God would be revealed. And in that glory is where the power of God is displayed. We often think today that we can get a complete handle on who God is. The reality is, is if we truly knew who God was, if we truly knew what it is to be righteous, there would never be a moment in our life when we were not filled with gladness. But we don't fully comprehend what it means to be called righteous. Gladness in our modern day, and for all of ages, has always been gladness is often based upon our circumstances. I'm glad because things are going well. I'm glad because uh, my, my life is in order. This kind of gladness is not a superficial, temporary gladness. This is an eternal gladness that David is speaking about. He's talking about a gladness that is based upon the righteousness of God. That's what makes... The righteous and what they who, they praise and why they praise different. The reality is is the righteous can be glad even though they're in times of sorrow. It's hard to be glad when something sorrowful happens. In our humanity, that doesn't happen. Sorrow cannot be turned into gladness in just mere humanity. The only way we can find gladness and sorrow is in the righteousness that we are and who we are in Christ. That's the only way it can be accomplished. You cannot find gladness in human sorrow, but we sorrow not as those who have no hope. We sorrow as those who have a hope. What is that hope? We rejoice in God for his simple presence in our life, his simple presence. How much do we take that for granted? His simple presence, the fact that he is with you today is an amazing truth because he didn't have to be. Let the righteous be glad. Let them rejoice. God is the joy of his people. Whenever we realize and acknowledge that we are in the presence of God, we ought to rejoice. We ought to be glad. He goes one step further. He says, let them rejoice before God. Yea, let them exceedingly rejoice. That word exceedingly means to extend beyond the actual boundaries or the borders. It literally means that it ought to be overflowing rejoicing. Why? Because of the righteousness that's in us. God is the joy of his people. We rejoice with gladness. Those who have rejoiced in God have reason to rejoice with exceeding, overflowing, superabundant joy, and we ought to wish that joy upon all the saints. Our prayer ought to be that all the people of God would understand what it is to have exceeding joy and rejoicing in God. Notice it says specifically where this rejoicing takes place or before whom. Let them rejoice before God. That literally refers to the presence of God. How do you rejoice before God that you cannot see with your eyes? You rejoice with that God by enjoying the communion that you have with him. There's a communion that the saints have with God that is not seen by the naked eye. I cannot look at you today and see your communion with God. I cannot see if you're in fellowship with him. Now you could give an outward demonstration. You could show some form of happiness or gladness, but I can't see your communion with God. Think about what it is to commune with God. It means to literally be in the presence of this God, this creator God, this redeeming God. It is to have an interest in him. We often think rejoicing is just when we, when we open our mouths and we praise God and others hear it and it's audible and we see it, but think about the rejoicing before God in the heart. Think about the quiet rejoicing that we rejoice every day because of our communion with God, because we are present with him. We have a view of him, not with our eyes, but we have a view of him with who he is and because of the Holy Spirit's presence in us. Now, one day, this will become reality. Now, I want you to stop for a minute and think about that. Let us rejoice before God. Do you realize one day faith will become sight and that actually one day all the saints of God will literally be praising and rejoicing before God physically, In other words, you're going to see him with glorified eyes. You're going to see him with eyes that are pure. You're going to see him as he is. Right now, we just have a glimpse. We just have just a very small perspective of what it's going to be to rejoice before God. One day we will appear before him. One day we'll stand before him still clothed with his righteousness. The righteousness in which clothes you today is the same righteousness you're going to be clothed with for all of eternity. What allows you to stand before God, spiritually speaking, is the same righteousness you're going to stand before God in, even in eternity. Let them rejoice. Again, very specific. Who is the them, the righteous? It is the righteous who rejoice yea let them exceedingly rejoice why we have a reason to rejoice we can simply even if our sorrow and even if our lives are not what we want them to be what reasons do we have to exceedingly rejoice in God rejoice in his person rejoice in who Christ is rejoice in grace Rejoice in righteousness, rejoice in his salvation. All of those expressions about rejoicing, all of those things ascribe greatness to the glory of God. Think about how many times God has come to you in your greatest time of need. Think about how many times God has given you all that you needed. Think about his fullness. Think about how your joy has been unspeakable And as the verse says, and full of glory. Let's wrap this thought up. We're not even going to get into verse 4 this morning. Let the righteous be glad even in sorrow. Let the righteous rejoice before God by his continued favor and his presence. Let God be the joy of of his people. Let us rejoice whenever we know we're before God. Well, when are we before God? We're always before God. When should we rejoice at all times? What should our rejoicing look like? It should be exceedingly rejoicing. Above and beyond, those who rejoice in God have reason to rejoice. Christ has opened our eyes to the truth. We have been given his righteousness. And today we have the ability to be glad and to stand before God. Next week, we'll look specifically at the words singing praises to his name and singing unto God. Is there a difference? Yeah, there's a difference. There's a difference between rejoicing before God and singing unto God. And we'll deal with that thought next week. Okay?